0: Welcome to the Beyond the Easy podcast with your host, Natasha Stevens. When she isn't speaking herself, you'll hear from some of the globe's most unique and powerful people who have pushed past perceived limitations and are exceeding societal expectations. Our niche is simple, people. Our dynamic guests share their stories filled with content that synergistically bridges the divide between us and them. And we're inviting you in. We are a blended tribe. Thanks for tuning in and catching the subscribe vibe. Hello to all of you awesome listeners out there, you subscribers, you friends of Beyond the Easy Podcast. We are back with another episode. And this episode, I am super excited about because I am joined, we are joined by a very dear friend of mine. I consider him to be just like a brother to me. I've known him since 2013, 2014. And I've had the privilege of watching him become something that only (laughs) God could imagine. And I'm assuming and knowing in my heart that, that God had that in mind a long time ago. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our next guest, and he is the person of Pastor Porter Sear. Porter is a worshiper, a songwriter, a musician. He leads worship and praise as a pastor at New Harvest Church in Cluiston, Florida. He sits under Pastors Chuck and Karen Pelham, and he works avidly in youth ministry as well. Porter has had a heart for the Lord since he was saved at four years old, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at five years old. I know. Hard to believe, but it's the truth. As Porter says, my testimony is that I didn't have to have one of living rock bottom in order to experience God's love for me. That's all that it took. It is Porter's desire to see the power and message of the kingdom of God transform lives through song and to see a global move of God. He also has a heart to teach, train, and empower worship leaders to release the sound of the kingdom of God in the earth. This is evident in all of his projects and services where you may witness him leading praise and worship, which I just have to say that I have, (laughs) and in his lifestyle outside of the ministry setting. Porter loves seeing people from all walks of life not only discover that their purpose extends beyond existence and goes into dominion, but he also likes experiencing that alongside of them. Stylistically as a musician and a worshiper, Porter is known for his diversity amongst various genres of praise and worship music, which brings different nations and generations together to worship the king. Porter doesn't try to emulate one particular artist or band he always has told me i am not the next so-and-so when people say oh porter your music reminds us of he says i am the first porter seer and the only so as we welcome him today i just want to say that i'm sure
1: this is going to be a very
0: good podcast hi porter how are you doing today pastor
1: hey natasha doing great sis how about you
0: I am doing amazing amazing so happy to have you on here I mean it's been a journey so happy. honored to be here as well yes it's been a journey, journey
1: is an understatement <laughs> that is an understatement
0: yes it's definitely but yes it's definitely an wow. understatement and, and and we can get into the backstory just a little bit here before uh we jump into asking you some some really burning questions that I have and I know that other people have but just for the audience who doesn't know Porter uh, there was a conference held, uh, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in, uh, yes. in, t- was it 2013 Porter, or 2014? Yeah, it
1: was November 2013.
0: Yes. November. Wow. Happy anniversary.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> seven years.
0: Right. So seven years completion and perfection. I love it. So yes. uh, we go. I was on Twitter uh, when I used to tweet a lot don't do that anymore but I was on Twitter and they announced that you know there was going to be this conference and I saw the names that I recognized Jonathan Nelson Wes Morgan and Jacqueline Carr and then I see this name that I'd never heard of before Porter Sear and I spelled it and I said well that's not how you say it it's not cry it's definitely Sear so I went, and Porter was doing the house music for this particular conference. And I remember getting there very early, and walking in, and Porter was just simply warming up on the keys. Having been in church uh, in San Diego under a different worship leader, Cullen Reed, I knew what a certain sound sounded like. And Porter will get into that later, but. I took one step across the threshold of that venue and heard him strike maybe three keys. And I was so floored by the anointing on his life that I literally had to turn around, walk out, and go sit in the lobby to catch myself. And I just remember asking God, what is that sound? What is that familiar frequency And who is that? So needless to say, we made it through the conference. Porter did an exceptional job in leading worship and supporting everyone there, praying for pastors uh, that were there, laying hands on Jonathan Nelson. All of this I witnessed. And then the very last night, he and I spoke and I told him what I thought about his music and the anointing and the call that was on his life. And I mentioned a name and Porter ran (laughs) Porter ran because he was familiar with that person's music as well and I called the person and I said hey I know you've never heard of this guy before but you need to follow him on Twitter because you're going to hear the name again and he was so kind and he said what's his name and he's a Grammy producer and I said his name is Porter Sear and he said I'm on it I'm following him right now So having said all of that, Porter and I became really close because I joined Porter's church where he was the worship leader at the time, and we did everything. (laughs) We had chilly nights, and we had the glory fall. I had no idea what that was. I didn't know what that meant. I just remember Porter playing, and one night um, his mother said I have to go prepare the chili and she had this funny look on her face like you're in for something and I said wait don't leave me here what's about to happen and she said I've been through this before I'm going to make the chili and she just kind of smiled and laughed and the next thing I know Porter struck a chord and I saw like this mist go across the pulpit and then I got extremely dizzy <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> I remember crying out and asking God, please don't let me die in these people's church. I <laughs> know
1: so, oh, the glory can do that. Yes. And so
0: I, after that, you know, um, we, we, we go to, to have chili. And Porter, I'm still kind of just drunk. And Porter is walking around eating chili, like, like like nothing (laughs) happened. And I'm sitting there like, dude, do you not understand what I'm going through right now? So we had a wonderful time together um, in ministry. And then we all uh, grew up, as you can say, and we all went our separate ways, but we never parted hearts. And, um, Porter was very, very instrumental in a very difficult time in my life. Um, I suffered, uh, a really bad car accident and Porter was the first person besides my family and his mother and a few other people from church at my bedside. So Porter, I want to, I know I thank you all the time, but I want to thank you for leaving church that Sunday and, and coming straight to the hospital. That is the heart of a
1: pastor. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's the heart of a pastor. Well, that's
1: more more than that, that's just the heart of a Christian. Somebody who loves Jesus. You know, when we love when we say we love Jesus, we love the people that he loves.
0: Amen.
1: You know, it's like even when he spoke to Peter, you know, after he rose from the dead, you know, before he was gonna ascend into heaven, he spoke to Peter and said, You know, Peter, do you love me? He said, Yes, of course I do. Then go feed my sheep. So if we say that we love him, then we will go intend and take care of those that he actually wants to have taken care of. So that's like, you know, so many people, and you know, we didn't plan on this, but I just want to insert this here for anyone listening to, there's a difference between being called to preach and being called to pastor. Mm. Because just because you can preach doesn't mean that you have the heart of a pastor. Because the pastor means you're a shepherd, and that means that you actually love the sheep. You smell like the sheep. You are with the sheep, and you care for them, and you want to nurture them and grow them. You know, And just because you have a preaching gift doesn't necessarily mean pastoring is your fivefold calling.
0: mm, Thank you for throwing that in there, Porter. That is so, so true, and it is so important. And beyond the hospital you continued to show before you even received um the title if you will of pastor um you showed that heart I mean you and your mom you guys with my mom and I and my family you you cooked for me uh you brought food to me um you guys just you you stayed there you didn't you didn't let my hand go and and that's what a pastor does. That's what we do. Right, that's what a pastor does. And many people will say, Oh, well, how big was your church? You know, every pastor can't do that. Well, that's why you raise up other pastors who has the, who have the heart, uh, like you, if you have that kind of heart, so that they can do it. But it helps when the pastor, his or herself, reaches out as well. So Porter, we're gonna jump right in. Um, Okay. One of the things that I noticed that you've always said is that you didn't have to fall into sin to find God. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Absolutely. And like, I have so many friends, family, people I've come in contact with, you know, in ministry who have incredible, incredible stories and testimonies about how like they were totally like bound up and, you know. Drug, alcohol addictions, they were out on the streets or like they were, you know, sleeping around, all this stuff or whatever. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they encountered the Lord or somebody invited them to church or whatever. And then they experienced the presence of God. And I love, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, hearing and seeing these testimonies. And, you know, there's some who, I, for friends of mine who are even in those situations that I was, you know, believing in con- God and contending for, you know, to, you know, to come into the kingdom. And they did. But, For me, my experience was a little different and, you know, and like, I love hearing stories like that, but there's really nowhere in the Bible that says that's exclusively how you have to experience God is to experience rock bottom. And so like really what it was for me was just experiencing his tangible presence, his tangible love and everything for myself and that you know, while we, you know, and, you know, in other ways, plus like everybody, you know, tries to think like, you know, um, you know, certain sins bigger than the others. Whereas, you know, we're concerned about details when it comes to sin, but God's concerned about categories. Any Um. sin falls into the category as the Bible says later in the new Testament of um, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And so you might not be sleeping around. You might not be, you know, in drugs or alcohol, but if you got a religious spirit, if you're prideful, if you're gossiping, if you're talking about people behind their back, if you're cutting down people behind their back, then still praising them in public, um, all of those are sins that fall into a category that puts it on equal playing field. And so, you know, it's like, I mean, yes, I mean, there's other stuff, you know, like in my life and everything, you know, that I have to surrender still have to surrender to the Lord daily, but. Um, for me, it—I didn't have to have like that experience of going to rock bottom. I literally experienced God Himself and His power, and I was like, "Lord, I receive Your love, and I want—I want this, and You are the one that I want to give my life for. Because there's no other person who can make me feel like this. There's no other person who can love me like You do. There's no other person who can empower me like You do. And so I cannot deny this experience, and so I want to give my life to You. Wow, that's
0: that's. I was reaching for a church fan, but unfortunately, I'm not in (laughs) church. (laughs) You know, you got one on your bedside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should have brought it to the office with me because, whoo, that's good stuff. Maybe I'll just clutch my little pearls here. Um, (laughs) So, Porter, in that same vein, there Mm -hmm. are a lot of people out there that are coming into churches hurting and broken and a lot of people have left church what -hmm. do you believe is the cause of that and and the state of the church that what what do you believe is causing people to come into church hoping to heal hoping to heal their Mm -hmm. hearts hoping to break free of of things that have them bound and then they end up leaving hurting and broken and vowing never to to even step foot into a church again i know that happened to me so what do you believe is is the reason that they're leaving and also what is the state of the church right now why is it losing its influence Mm -hmm. that it once had across the board
1: from years ago okay so i'm going to answer this into two parts so the first um the first one we we'll be talking about, and this is a phrase that's become kind of a trend now, and um, actually, it's interesting, you know, you asked that question, because um, last night I was scrolling on Facebook before I went to bed, and then I saw that there was somebody who actually asked a very similar question, and I felt the Lord lead me to write a response on it as far as, like, you know, this concept of what's called church hurt. And, you know, and it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, we use the phrase church hurt, but a lot... Most of the time, it's not that the whole church hurt. It's that somebody in leadership, a pastor or a friend or whatever, actually hurt. But I believe the root cause of of why people are hurt in the church and why people leave and different things like that, I believe it actually comes from um, this uh, root, which is one word, disappointment. Mm. And disappointment is the result i heard actually on pastor ron carpenter say this and this set me free of so many things in my life disappointment is the result of unmet expectations Ooh. disappointment is the result of unexpectations, expectations and it can be one of two things it can be that you placed a legitimate expectation on the other person that they were unable to or that they just chose not to meet and then obviously they disappointed just like you know if a parent has a legitimate expectation you know on a child that hey you're supposed to clean your room and they decide no i'm not going to do that because i don't feel like it and then they don't do it then yeah that parents can be disappointed but also it can be the flip side and this is where i th- believe we see too many instances like this and i believe it takes maturity and it takes humility to actually first and this is where i've learned too just the more grown with the lord is before I'm so quick to blame the other person, I have to check myself first. Amen. And so it could be it could be the fact that they didn't meet a legitimate expectation, but it also could be the fact that they didn't meet an unrealistic expectation that I put on them, that they were unable to meet and they were not equipped to meet because I was ignorant of a word called purpose. Mm. Because... Um, One of the things, too, and I know one of your favorites and my absolute favorite um, teachers in the body of Christ and um, may his his soul rest on is um, the late um, Dr. Miles Monroe. And he has this quote that has lived with me for the rest of my life, which is where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable.
0: Say that. Say that. Where
1: purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. And the word abuse means to, it's a compound word in English, which means, which is from ab and use, meaning to abnormally use something. And so that's like if, okay, like for example, um, if I was to see a microphone for the first time in my life and I never held one, never saw one, nothing. I look at it and be like, oh, okay, it looks like it's got like a handle that I can hold and this ball on the top, it's bigger. And you know what? It kind of looks like, it kind of looks like maybe this is how they're redesigning hammers nowadays. Oh, I see this nail in the floor. Let me go take a whack at it. And then every musician in the earth just like fainted (laughs) because you're using a microphone to beep. But the thing was, I was ignorant of the purpose because nobody told me that... The purpose of a microphone is to amplify um, sound to be able to be carried across further distances so that way people who can't hear in farther proximity actually can hear what you're saying, what the uh, particular instrument are you singing at a further distance or to be able to capture it for a recording. So now, instead of trying to use it to beat something down, I'm using it to amplify something and now I'm not abusing its purpose. So with all that being said, I believe so many people are ignorant of and even pastors are ignorant of the true purpose which purpose that um we didn't define purpose is the original intention for which something is created or designed and so um many so many people are ignorant of actually the purpose of the church and the purpose of pastors the purpose of ministry and so you see people because when we when we When we're we're ignorant of purpose and we don't have that filter to filter our life through, we spend years wasting time chasing and becoming successful at the wrong thing. Mm. And yes, we're being successful. Yes, churches are growing. Yes, you have these numbers. Yes, you have these many people tuning in on live stream and all this stuff. But are you really accomplishing the original intention? And are you really being successful at what God originally designed you to do?
0: And Porter, what would you say is the original intention of the purpose of a leader in church?
1: Okay, so the original intention, which, um, uh, I don't wanna do the long answer or the short answer because there's there's foundation that you can lay down for it. But, um, okay, well, let me just do this principle right here. So in order to understand the original intention, you have to go back to the origin. And so the original mention, from which something actually came about and so um and also purpose is known in the mind of the manufacturer the one who made it and then the one who um, and then the manual where it has the instructions so obviously we consult the manufacturer god and then the manual is his word so the first mention of the word church um is in matthew chapter 16 where um he was at where Jesus was asking, he was having a conversation with Peter, and he said, um, Peter, who who do men say that I am? Or no, actually he said to the disciples, excuse me, he said to the disciples, who do men say that I am? And the disciples collectively answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say um, you're a prophet, some say you're a rabbi. And then he, Jesus flipped it and he's like, okay, but who do you say that I am? And first of all the disciples, they all collectively answered as far as, well, who do men say that I am? But only one disciple spoke up whenever he said, who do you say that I am? And that was Peter. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Because people had the revelation or caught the fact that Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He was one who performed miracles. But no one at that time had actually publicly acknowledged the fact that he was the promised Messiah or the coming King um, with the kingdom. And so then, um, So then Jesus responded to Peter and said, blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, nobody told you about this. This had to come straight from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so my response to you with that revelation, Peter, is on this rock, on that revelation, I will build my church. And the mm. gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he said, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bound on earth bound in heaven, loose on earth, loose in heaven. But one thing that's interesting about that is he said, um, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church. Okay, so if I say to you, Natasha, hey Natasha, can you go pick up a car? That can be any car. But then if I say, Can you can you go pick up my car? Here's the keys then I'm referring to something specific so the fact that I'm saying my refers that there are others come on so the church actually the word church was actually not originally a religious term um church in greek because the bible was originally written in two languages old testament was written in hebrew new testament was written in greek and the reason New Testament was written in Greek was because of the fact that was the, popu- the popular language at the time, just like how English is the most popular language in earth. So, um, so what happened was, like, and for those of you who are listening, um, if you have a Bible, if you own a Bible um, that's in English, your Bible was not originally written in English. In fact, what happened was back in the 1600s, um, what they did was they took the Latin Bible in England and converted the Latin Bible into English. So the Bible actually went through to get to English, Hebrew and Greek to Latin to English. So then, I don't know if you ever played the game telephone whenever you were a kid and you could tell, and then you have like, you know, five or six, eight, you know, different friends or whatever that are lined up and then you whisper something in the person's ear and you try to see if it matches at the end where it was in the beginning. And then you could tell them like, I love eggs and potatoes for breakfast and then it ends up being, I threw a shoe at my neighbor. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, but that's what happened is because of the fact, I mean, it's like, if you, you know, for all you tech people, like, just for fun, go onto Google Translate and type something in English, have it translated into Spanish, and then take that Spanish word and translate it into something then put it back into English and see if it matches and you'll actually have a good time. But that's what, ha- but that's what happens. So we lose stuff in translation. And so all that to say is that in Greek, since this was a New Testament scripture, um, the word church is actually this greek word ekklesia and what's interesting is it's actually not a religious term it's a political term and it was something that um caesar who was over the roman empire at that time he actually had what was called his ekklesia and so what this was is it's not um a religious organization and you know this is a thing you know this has been a cliche that's been going around as far as you know a, a church is a spiritual hospital, not a museum of saints. Okay, yes, that can be a function of the church, but that's actually not what its purpose was for. The word ecclesia is the governing body of, or assembly of the ones who were called out. So what this means is, okay, so Caesar, he has a kingdom, he has an empire. What's separated the Roman Empire from all the other empires in the earth was the fact that whenever they would go and conquer a territory, instead of um, going and capturing the people and bringing them to the, home, to the home country or you know making them slaves or even like Babylon, where it's like, okay, you're gonna come over here and you can still set up your business and have your life or, or even just like conquer territory and kill people off. What they did instead of trying to bring people to the home country, they brought the home country to the people. And uh. so what they would do is they would have somebody who was called a governor. And like one of those that was mentioned in the Bible was actually Pontius Pilate, who was the one who was in charge of the decision whether or not Jesus would be crucified. And so um, Pontius Pilate was a part of um, Caesar's ecclesia. And so what it was, was the governor represented, he was the representation of Rome. And so what he would do is he would actually go into, they conquered Israel. So he would go into Israel and he would be like, okay, We're going to start building structures just like here. We're going to teach you just like the Romans do. You're going to have all these customs. And that's where, you know, the phrase, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But what this is, is we're bringing our culture, our influence, our dominion, our authority that we have from Rome and bringing it into Israel. So it looks in Israel like it does in Rome, which is also why Jesus then with his kingdom instructs us to pray. Lord father let your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the purpose of the church and the purpose of ministry is because of the fact that we are actually called out ones that the lord has empowered us to represent heaven to represent god's government because he's king of kings and lord of lords and we are supposed to go into our place of influence and the church is supposed to be set up in that city to where what you do is, it's not just a glorified tent revival where we just stay in the four walls, but we empower people to go into the seven mountains of influence. You go into business, arts and entertainment, family, religion, education, um, government, and you make those mountains of influence look just like heaven. So that way, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of racial tension, in the midst of hurt, that we're able to go and actually do that and be empowered. So church is actually supposed to be a place where we receive our marching orders to go out and make earth look just like heaven. So the church actually is a place, yes, when you come in, we do, we love on you. We provide healing. Um, We provide comfort. You know, we have shepherds to be able to tend and help bind up the wounds and everything, and take care of you. But you don't just stay there. We bring you into a place to where the church actually is supposed to be founded on apostles and prophets. To where we, it says, found on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. So you have the apostle who is the one who is supposed to raise you up to send you out into those places, and then you have the prophets who are the people who are in tune to hear. This is what the Lord's saying. So you have the the governing mixed with the guiding, and that launches you into your assignment. So that's what the purpose of the church is supposed to be.
0: Wow, blown away at this revelation and this word. Thank you, Porter, so much for breaking that down. Um, And I encourage all of the listeners to really go back and listen to this episode several times. So that you can hear what Porter is saying, because there is a difference between going to church and being kingdom minded. Um, there are there are two different things. And yes, he's right. Um, the people that the person who has influenced me the most when it comes to kingdom teaching is Dr. Miles Monroe. And um He's no nonsense, and it's funny because he speaks about what Porter just said about setting things up on those mountains. Jesus chose business people as his disciples, and it's mm, that's your point? It's, it's also interesting that uh, you brought Peter back up. Peter keeps coming up in these podcasts um, with faith and with having that extra attunement, if you will to who Jesus really was, um, in the, in the beginning before he, you know, had his episode, (laughs) but, you know, George mentioned Peter and he said that, you know, the disciples were on the boat and he bid them to come. The only one who anybody could have come, but the only one who went was Peter. And so that's that special relationship um, that keeps coming up that theme that keeps coming up between Peter and Jesus so thank you so much for explaining that and I really really hope that all listeners that have experienced church hurt will get to know what kingdom living is like because it is totally different and it will it will free you it will release you Bond and 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 lift yokes off of you and you will walk in such a freedom in knowing who you are and I think that what Porter is saying about purpose is tied to identity and a lot of times we get our identity through through um, socializing with church so if the church accidentally makes a mistake then we've lost our identity And that comes with having a personal relationship with the Lord. When you have a personal relationship with God, he's going to deal with every person differently. And once you experience it the way that Porter has explained and is explaining, you will understand that Even if you did experience church hurt, even if you are experiencing church hurt right now, or you experienced it 10 years ago and you cannot let it go, kingdom is what you should focus on um, because that is going to teach you more about your identity than the church hurt. And it will actually help heal it. And so Porter, um, you've made some transitions in your life Um, You've gone from worship leader at um, a couple of churches. Certainly Ron Carpenter is one. So can you tell us what your transition from being on a worship team, then leading worship, because there's a progress. So you were on a worship team. You were a leader of worship. And now you're the lead worship pastor at your church in Cluiston. What has that transition been like for you? I guess what I'm asking is knowing the way, knowing you the way that I do, Porter, could you Mm -hmm. tell, could you tell the listeners who don't know you what dedication means when it comes to transitioning from being on a team to leading and then becoming the pastor?
1: Yes. Um, First of all, it comes with an understanding that, um, okay, let's, let's do it like this. So David, in the Bible, was anointed to be king over Israel when he was 12. But he didn't take the throne until he was in his 30s. And so David had the revelation, he had the prophecy, he had everything, he was anointed. Um, but he had to go through um, a word that begins with the letter P that so many people despise. And that I had to learn to absolutely love. And it is a fun word called process. mm mm-hmm. We celebrate the promises of God, but we despise the processes of God. Mm. And there are, there are certain levels that you have to walk through um, in pursuing your calling and on your journey with the Lord. Because of the fact that the Lord's, the Lord's most concern is, yes, you know, we're called into the kingdom for such a time as this. Yes, we're called into ministry and we have gifts and everything. But what he's more concerned about with our calling is our character. Because if you don't go through the proper process to develop it, then you can't be proven trustworthy to be um, trusted with other levels. And so now what can happen is the, the sooner you prove to the Lord that you are trustworthy at this level, then he actually can accelerate the process. But um, how long you stay in the process is up to you. Just like you know, with, um, when Moses led um, the Israelites out of the wilderness, that was supposed to be a two week journey. But because of their inability to get their mind caught up into the level that they were getting ready to enter into, because they couldn't think on the level that they've been anointed, then they ended up being prolonged, circling around the same scenery for 40 years. And so like another thing that Ron Carpenter said, too, is tomorrow or today will be your tomorrow until you learn something new.
0: Wow. So that's like evolve or repeat.
1: Um, I believe both.
0: No, I mean because of the no, fact, I mean the I saying. Would. I mean the saying is, either you evolve in your revelatory knowledge. Oh yes,
1: I, I'm with, I'm trying. Right. To yes. Either
0: you evolve in your revelatory knowledge of what's going on, the lessons in the process yes. that God has you through, go, going you through, and you move to the next level, mm-hmm. or you repeat the lesson. Right?
1: That's right. Absolutely, and so. You know, and like that's one of the things like I want to speak to, um you know, even like young musicians, young worship leaders who God has undoubtedly anointed you. And I had to have somebody speak to me this way, too. And so um, the fact that actually I'm in a place to where I can begin speaking like this is actually quite humbling. But, um, you know, to where like, you know, God has undoubtedly anointed you. He's called you. You're gifted, you know, and you're wanting to even chase like, you know, labels and you want influence and platforms. And all this stuff and everything um, that comes from being faithful to the process. And so, what happened was, as far as with you know, with my transition, you know, those different levels, is um, I had to prove. This was like David, okay. He before he could become king, he actually was underneath. He had to serve underneath um, King Saul, who had his crown, and he even had to go through a process to where it's like, okay, are you still going to be faithful? in serving to the place that I've assigned you to, even when the person who has your next level is actually trying to kill you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Saul was like throwing spears at David and all that because, um, you know, and, you know, there was even jealousy of the anointing that was on his life and stuff. And so then it's like, you know, will you still obey what the Lord has assigned you to and where he's assigned you to for however, you know, for however long it is. And like, I had to go through, like, it, I didn't just like poof, you know end up as a worship leader like you said i um I spent actually a few years on the team um just being a keyboard player and at first it was like once a month for like a whole year then they started doing me on every midweek then they started doing or having me up there on um on some Sundays and then it was like hey you know you can sing so why don't we put up the mic for you to sing harmony <laughs> and All then you know wow. and it's like you know, and it's like and am like I knew it was like, well, I should be leading songs by now and I can sing better than half these people who are up there and all this stuff. But, but at the same time, I and mean, of course, I was also young. I mean, I was in middle school, too. But then it was like, you know, I had to be like, OK, Porter, remember, he's faithful over a few. will be made rule over much. So then from that, then I ended up graduating to where like, hey, why don't you lead this song? And then anytime we did this song, then that and then ended up becoming assistant worship leader. And in 2012, at the particular church I was at, ended up becoming a worship leader. And, um, you know, from that, you know, it's like, and this is one of the things that um, one of my mentors um, has shared with me, too. And I hear him say to a lot of people is, yes, the Bible says your character, or excuse me, the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and presents him before great men. However, it's a man's character that keeps him in the room.
0: And his gratitude. Yes. Which is a part of character. And so to walk us through that process, um, is very important. It's just like going from kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Mm -hmm. If you want to graduate, you you can't skip a grade. Uh, so, so thank you for that. And thank you for, um, sharing that for those who aspire to be in ministry. Um, And real quick, Porter, those who, you know, I don't know if people know your faithfulness to God that exceeds your ability to play keyboards, write and sing songs. What advice can you give to young people who are already in ministry Mm -hmm. and those who aspire to be when it comes to that worship arena? We hear the word worship. We hear the word worship all the time. um, And for many of us growing up, it was just a part of praise and worship, where everyone sang songs before a sermon, you hear the sermon, and then you hear some more songs. But what does worship mean to you personally, Porter? And then what can you impart onto, to young people that are already in ministry, that have a heart that want to continue in that vein of worship?
1: Yes, okay, so it's, it's just amazing to see, like over the years, like how you know this concept of worship has evolved into fact where I mean now we have it's actually considered to be like a genre of music and um you know you have I mean there's even Facebook groups out there that talk about like that's like you know praise and worship gear talk to where like musicians just talking about like gear used for praise and worship and how to get quote worship tone out of your guitar and and all this stuff and You know, and that's where I believe I mean it's all great but I believe this is also another area to where we haven't known the purpose of worship and so we've actually gone to a place where it's been abused and abnormally used and so like one of the things I want to say first of all is music is not worship but it's an expression of worship Um, it's not worship in and of itself and actually in the fact the first mention of the word worship in the bible actually did not involve a church service it did not involve an instrument it did not involve singing there wasn't even a pastor present what it was was in genesis 22 whenever um, abraham he had waited so long for this son that god promised him and that he'd be the father of many nations and he had this son named isaac and he did, it didn't even come until abraham was a hundred years old so then, um, so then Isaac's grown up at this point, he's like, let's say about like 12 or 13 years old. And so at this point, that means Abraham's like 112, 113 years old. God told Abraham to take Isaac with him up to um, Mount Moriah and build an altar there and actually put Isaac, his son that he'd been waiting for for 25 years on the altar and kill him as a sacrifice. And so what happened was he was going up the mountain and then he told Abraham told his servants, he said, you guys stay here. My son and I, we're going up to worship. But here's the thing. Cool thing about Abraham's faith is he said, but we're going to return. So Abraham had enough faith that he knew he was going to show to the Lord that he loved the Lord so much to where he was willing to sacrifice his promise on the altar, but also that the Lord was going to provide a sacrifice instead. So we see here that worship is automatically right off the bat associated with an offering and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. David later says, to the Lord, later says, I won't give anything to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Wow. So we have to realize that, first of all, worship, what it is, is it's an offering. It's a sacrifice that ascribes worth, tribute, honor and adoration unto the Lord. And so there's so many people who have known praise, but a lot of people have yet to tap into that dimension of worship. Anybody can praise God because all praise is, is to describe his acts, his works, his deeds, his characteristics. I can look at like Okay, like I've never drank liquor, but I can look at a liquor bottle and I can describe it all day based on like the physical attributes and descriptions and you know what color the bottle is and the label is. Never once done anything with it. Anybody can look at can look in the Bible and provide a description of God. But have you actually encountered him and experienced him to where you are able to ascribe his worth to you? So worship can simply be put as It's worth and ship. It's worth ship. How worth E is God to you? And so um, my encouragement to young musicians and young worship leaders is, first of all, you are a worshiper first and a musician second. Mm -hmm. Sunday morning and midweek cannot be the only time out of your week that you worship. Because you're supposed to minister out of your overflow and not out of your reserve. And so like, and this is where like discipline and everything comes into play too, like um, because of the fact that my heart is for the Lord first and then for the people. So I'm up here because one of the things that we've gone away from is the fact that worship is actually the one part of the service that's actually not ministry to the people, it's ministry into the Lord. What we're doing as worship leaders is instead of it being a game of Simon Says, where we're trying to command people, you know, or else to lift up their hands and all this kind of stuff, because <laughs> of the fact that we're trying to chase their response. Mm. What we're doing is we are actually engaging the Lord for him to respond.
0: Come on. Boy. And
1: so we have church, and we have churches that are wanting to see miracles, you're wanting to see signs, you're wanting to see wonders, and you want to have supernatural encounters, but that is the Lord's response to giving him what he wants. So if we're not giving him worship, then we're not giving him anything to respond to.
0: Mm, make me a little cake first. Stop performing.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In a, kingdom, in a kingdom, whenever you eat and you dine with the king, nobody eats until the king eats first.
0: Woo! Bring it.
1: So this is where we come and we enter His gates with thanksgiving, come to this courts of praise. But then now we say, okay, Lord, before we receive from you, we want you to receive from us. Uh. And so what this is, is we bring everybody together to bring one sound with one voice unto the Lord. And just like it said in um, whenever they they dedicated um, Solomon's temple, when the priests and the Levites came together with one voice and ministered unto the Lord, then the weight of God's glory filled the whole temple and it was so heavy to where the priest couldn't even stand to minister that's something you can't put that's something you can't duplicate on your own that was supernatural but they had to give in unity one offering of worship for the Lord to respond to wow
0: I've never heard anyone explain worship like that before and so it makes so much sense now having been in church with you Why (laughs) I why I had all of those encounters and those experiences that you had to explain to me later. Um, That (laughs)
1: well, can I can I add something just for a few seconds? Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: Okay, you know, and that's why. Like, I mean, I you know, I don't I say this with all humility. Like, I I'm not your normal breed of worship leaders because of the fact that like, and people actually look at me and like, even you know, like whenever you know I would um, take or become. In leadership over another team, like people would actually look at me weird because of the fact that you know I'm not telling people every other second, everybody lift your hands, everybody give the Lord a shout of praise. And I'm like preaching or like, okay, I know y'all can do better than that. And like, how come on, y'all lift your hands, everybody come on, you know, and all this stuff is because of the fact that first of all, worship is your response to God and his presence. And the fact that I'm not there, I'm not a cheerleader, I'm not an entertainer, I'm not there to pump and prime you. What I'm here to do is actually cause you and to create an experience and create an atmosphere that allows you to experience God for himself or for yourself to where you actually generate your own response you know it's like if I told if I told a wife to tell their husband they loved him but she only did it because I told her to is that really love Mm, that's you No, no it's not so why so why do we think God God is receiving that in so many places as worship.
0: Whew. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Um, it's 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 so true, and you know I'm guilty. We've all we've all been there. Um, oh, I was. Yeah, too. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, Porter. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even you know the whole shouting and you know uh, praise the Lord for 30 seconds, give the Lord 30 seconds of praise and I might be tired that Sunday. My praise might not be jumping up and down and screaming and yelling. Um, It may be more quiet reverence, you know? Um, So that's why allowing the parishioners to have their own worship experience as you, as the worship leader, lead that person into that realm with God is so, so, so important because what I've seen happen, and I've been a part of it, is you go into church, you get high off of emotionalism from worship to the Word and you go in maybe with a problem or issue and church just makes you feel so good, it's like a drug. And then you leave church, still might feel good for a couple days and bam, you're right back down where you were before. And so it's that consistent building over time of understanding worship, understanding your identity, understanding the way kingdom protocol works versus just the church. And there are a lot of great churches out there that are teaching kingdom, teaching kingdom, doing kingdom, and people are being set free. People are being catapulted into areas other areas of their lives outside of you know church whether it's work or family life that is just un, un, unheard of and so I hope that there will be a great return globally for that but I do know that in other countries I have seen such a hunger and I had a, a talk a yes. talk with a young lady from Africa and she pretty much laid me out I mean she said if you you guys aren't hungry that's the problem if you if you want to see mm. if you want to see what real worship looks like if you want to see people who are really chasing after God come to Africa and and, and I, I said well why would you say that and she said well first of all you got caught up in the material stuff we, you come somewhere we don't have where you don't have anything wow. and you don't have you know where, where your where your pulpit is a dirt a dirt floor Um, where you have street kids all around that are relegated to living in the streets and you'll see revival and I thought oh wow you know and so um, I, I do believe that to be true I've seen it myself I've seen it happen in other countries and let's pray that everything that's going on in the world today that we start to see that kingdom move of God even more Yes. And so shifting now, Porter, to your music, you know, I am a huge fan of instrumental music. <laughs> Sometimes words just get in the way. Right. And you have an album mm-hmm. available as well called Stillness. I, I highly yes. recommend that to any listeners who needs to take a break to solid in solitude to pray and to meditate. And whenever I say pray and meditate for me, prayer is petitioning God meditation is yes. waiting in stillness and silence and in faith on his answer on his response so if you need to pull away and you need to relax and you need to de-stress from all that this year has placed upon you and your family and your work i highly recommend that you go to itunes or you go to apple music or wherever you can find stillness and by Porter seer and that you get that you get that. Um, Porter gifted that CD, um, years ago in hard copy to some pretty heavyweights in uh, pro sports, financial advising, real estate, uh, some high powered attorneys. And I remember one of them looking at me because they said, does he have any more copies? I'm so stressed out. And so that yeah wow. yeah Lord and God. that was years ago and I still play stillness it is very relaxing um, there's some tones there I don't know if you're tapping into some sophaglio frequencies or what's going on with you in the Lord but it definitely is very um, soothing and in that vein Porter because this year has been so heavy for so many different people and we don't know everyone's situation I do, but I want your, I I know this, but I want your answer. Do you feel as though stillness is still effective now? And how can people access that to spend time in solitude and remove the stress? Like if someone says, well, I have a routine. I wake up every morning at five o'clock. I pray, I meditate, I journal, I work out. Um, Do you feel as though that's something that you birthed a long time ago? Do you feel that it still has its same effectiveness now?
1: Um, And I'm not just saying this because of the fact that it's something that I've recorded, but um, objectively and spiritually, yes, I do um, believe that it is effective. And this is one of the things that I always encourage, um, you know, songwriters and, um, you know, anyone who's creative, you know, in the body of Christ is it's so tempting to try to emulate trends of the world when we actually have an upper advantage because we can actually consult at any time the one who created creativity in the first Mm. place. And there's a sound and there's a frequency that we can tap into, which is the sound of heaven and the sound of God's kingdom that transcends all times, all distances, all races, Anything because of the fact that we come into a realm where it's, as the Bible says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, um, you know, that was the thing whenever, you know, with that uh, project stillness, was, um, I re- went in, I had no idea what I was even going to play. Like, this is not pre recorded music at all, like pre meditated music. It's, um, I literally just sat down at my keyboard in um, a music studio at the time and Um, just worshiped on my instrument and whatever came out from the Holy Spirit was what came out and that's that's how stillness was and also too it's um, one of the things um, this is not to be another plug but it also ended up being um, coming in conjunction with um, there's a project that my my mom and I actually did which um, was actually a vision that Lord gave her she first accomplished it with my dad Um, before I was born, and the Lord really used it then, but then the Lord put it on my mom's heart to revive it and actually do it with me, is a project called um, It Is Written. And um, that's also on um, Apple Music, Spotify, um, Google Play, anywhere we can find music, to where it's instrumental music with um, scriptures spoken on a specific topic. And so there's one on healing, there's one on um, called Fear Not, and there's one on spiritual warfare. And actually, on the one that's on Fear Not, um, the the instrumental music on that is actually um, from stillness as well. And so, um, you know, and so this is and that was the heart behind all of this was to be able to provide a place because we do need to know what it means to be still and know that he is God. And, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, you know, even with the pandemic, you have people. I still know people who are still furloughed from their jobs and like they had jobs that they thought were secure and that's the thing was that we came into a time to where it's like something little as a virus proved that everything that can be shaken will be shaken um you know and then you know there's still like movie theaters are shut down and everything and so there's so much uncertainty and so much conflict so much stress and everything to where yes um we do need to um you know to be able to break away from that and also like i've had people who've actually given me testimonies to where it's like even like as simple as like I have not, I've dealt with insomnia, I can't even sleep at night, and this actually helped put me to sleep, or like I play this for my kids whenever they're cranky and they can't go to sleep and stuff like that, which at first think of like, okay, so my music pours you to sleep, <laughs> like, but it actually is, no, but that, but still, I mean, it's, you know, it's therapeutic in that sense to where, um, you know, in those senses too, to where it's able to um, bring people into rest, and so that was the heart and the purpose. behind that. And
0: that is so important, whether you're in ministry, whether you whether you um, are not in ministry, um, no matter what your vocation is, you, you heard the, the kind of people that Porter just gave it to because of the high stress level of what they do. Um, it's so important to take that moment away, to step away and to get that stillness and to just be, be, be quiet and to hear. And it does help you sleep. I know that for a fact. Um, because it helps me sleep and I know there have been children who have special needs that have taken that thing and their parents have placed it on their iPads or wherever and they play it and the kids just they they calm down and um, disclaimer we are not medical doctors we are not saying that this is going to necessarily cure but I would definitely say it's going to help heal and help calm um, you, your children down um, and just take you away from all of the madness that is going on in the world and the media and just everything flying out there. Um, it's so important to be still. I remember a Robin Sharma quote that said, in stillness lies wisdom and in solitude, we discover ourselves. And so as we do that, we discover ourselves and who god really made us to be who he is and then who he created us to be and we have that back and forth with jesus who loves all people by the way and and we have that encounter with him and then in breaking away listening to that music or any music that's just instrumental no words nothing to to get in the way of that flow kind of like david playing his heart to calm saul down um it's in that place where we can hear clearly um, we can feel properly and we can see things through a different lens so i thank you for that um, and i encourage everyone to go and get that and porter You know, I know you to be able to play anything. (laughs) I know you to be able to play any song, any, if you want to use the word genre. Um, I've seen you, Porter, lead worship in uh, predominantly black churches. I've seen you lead worship in predominantly white churches. I've seen you lead worship in a mixed, multicultural, multi-generational church setting. And your worship style never changes to fit the house and by that i mean you don't go into a predominantly black church and say okay well i'm gonna crank up the b3 and and do all of this and you don't go into a predominantly white church and say well we're just gonna do homilies um you actually um create your set list through prayer and through hearing what it is that you feel god needs um that particular house to hear and so just because of the different styles that you're able to to, able to do Mm -hmm. not emulating one or the other everyone has mentors and everyone has influencers that they look to um but porter who are some of your influences mentors be they in in music or in uh in life in general that you look to when you think about where we are headed next as god's children because if you listen to kingdom god never called us servants he called us sons and daughters so hmm. um where who, who would you look to past or present as an influencer when you think about where we as god's children are headed next
1: yes um well definitely as far as some of those voices of influence um but one of the things that, well one person i definitely want to give honor honored to whom honors do is actually my pastor, um, Pastor Chuck Pelham and his wife, Pastor Karen Pelham. And one of the things that I absolutely love about him is first of all, the word, not only is he my pastor, he's my mentor, but he is my spiritual father. And he has this ability to be able to tune in to what the Lord is saying as, um, as far as like where, where we are and where we're headed. And it's just like, and also that comes from um another significant voice in my life, um, to who is actually our founding um pastor at New Harvest, um Bishop um, Tony Miller, who's in Oklahoma City um at the Gate Church and also oversees a network of churches called Destiny Fellowship Churches. I remember the um thank you for that invite. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for the affecting destiny conference. But the um one of the things that just brings so true in their ministry, um that' is this principle of, in the Bible, there was this tribe and this group of people in this tribe called the Sons of Issachar. And what they were, were they were also the astronomers that were able to study, and I'm not getting into the zodiacs, all this stuff, I promise, but um, (laughs) they studied the heavens. They knew that they were the ones who actually kept up with the calendar. And it said they studied the heavens, they could read the heavens and know what to do on the earth. And so Bishop Tony Mill actually said this in a leadership thing a couple weeks ago that was really powerful he said we have so many people who are trying to read earth and tell heaven what to do instead of reading heaven and telling earth mm. what to do <laughs> I
0: don't even know what to say say that one more time Porter.
1: instead of reading earth what's happening in the earth and then telling God what he should do uh, we're supposed to read heaven and then tell the earth what the earth needs wow. to do And so it's so important to have leaders and have voices in your life that have that ability, you know, that aren't just there just to give you a paycheck for ministry or just to preach at you, but actually have that ability to hear what says the Lord. And then as far as a past voice of influence, um, you know, we mentioned is definitely um, Dr. Miles Monroe. Um, with his his teaching on the kingdom, and he has excellent teaching on worship. And the, the thing too is, and I'm not going to get into this whole thing because we in it for another <laughs> hour, but the kingdom of God is God's original idea. The Bible is all about a king and a kingdom. The word king and kingdom is actually mentioned in the Bible 2,793 times. It's actually mentioned 1,000% more than the word salvation Whoa. in the Bible. I did
0: not know that
1: it's actually it's actually mentioned 900 more than even the word love king and kingdom is what god's is what the bible is all about and so he you know as you know he grew up in the bahamas and or he lived in the bahamas but he grew up there whenever it was a colony of great britain so then he actually grew up in a kingdom style of government and so that it just makes it come alive in the bible you see it through the lens that god originally intended and, um, and then also just influences in my life, like with worship um, especially, is um, who I've had the pleasure of meeting and also receiving some mentorship from. And I want to give honor to um, Dr. Ron Cannoli um, in Orlando, Florida, um, who was really the pioneer of multicultural praise and worship, um, even back in the 90s, and influenced like the Israel Houghtons and all these other people today. And then um, uh, Pastor William McDowell, at um, Deeper Fellowship Church in Orlando, um, Florida, really broadened my perspective on, you know, leading worship and an ap- being a worshiper first and the sound of heaven and atmosphere. And then also um, one of my present mentors, um, Pastor um, Stephen Ward, um, he used to be um, the worship pastor at um, Redemption Church in Greenville, South Carolina, um, when it was there and now pastors um, the Living Room Congregation. And um, and really um, influenced me there. And then, um, you know, one thing too is there are other places in the body of Christ that actually are merging now that are kind of the nameless and fameless, or Yo, nameless I and faceless. Like that that Wait, I really back believe God up, is using.
0: Backup. You know? I like that. Did Na- you just say nameless yes. and fameless?
1: Yes. and that, was an, un- that well, was an unintentional slip. But there's revelation. Absolutely, of that. Actually, there that.
0: is. I'm writing that down right now. Nameless and fameless.
1: Okay. <laughs> <be a> <laughs> <later. laughs> yes, yeah, so um but no and so um you know and that's the thing because it's like so it's so tempting to go after the who's who but there is so much wisdom and knowledge in um in the saints of old and in the ones and actually you'd be surprised how many people like there's one also oh, one other person too who's, who passed away in two thousand nine who actually even influenced pastors like T D Jakes, um, Pastor Ron Carpenter, um, Bishop Eddie Long when he was in his prime, he would actually fly to his office and actually sit at his feet to receive from um, a man named um, Dr. Kelly Varner, um, from Richlands, North Carolina. And he actually was even teaching Kingdom even before Dr. Miles Monroe was on the scene. And yes, and um he has excellent, excellent books and writings now they're more like studies but really stretches your revelation um as far as like the different things concepts of the kingdom of god and understanding the finished work on the cross and the new covenant and everything it's amazing so go look up any of his Thank books and you know, they still have money. he was on i he's, love he's to excellent. read
0: i love to study about the kingdom you know i love the movie one night with the king I used to watch like movies like Three Hundred and The Tudors and just I don't know I've lived I've lived in a monarchy Mm -hmm. so so I I, I love stuff like that but you certainly have had some amazing mentors that I I I right very blessed very blessed Dow and and Stephen and you know um, Ron Canoli but you know just to hear that progression um, is that is a blessing you certainly have been blessed and I remember um, not being able to walk in church without you playing and I can't sing Porter and I don't want to put you on the spot because this this isn't a performance <laughs> but um, I, right. I just remember I'm expecting um, and I, I want to sing it so bad yes. right now but you've heard my singing and you've had to leave. So, but, you know, just, this, just that <laughs> little line, Porter. Can you just... I'm expecting.
1: I'm expecting, anticipating yes. the move of God.
0: Yes. And so that, that song um, definitely... Yeah. Um, it, was song, it was a good song. And it keeps us in that posture of faith. And that's one thing I want to start to kind of close us out here on, Porter, is... Um, yes. We people that are afraid to go to church or that have left church or have just given up on life, given up on God because they feel like they have all of these rules and regulations and you can do this and you can't do that. And you know, all of this other stuff and God's not going to be pleased with you. If you don't tithe. God's not going to be pleased with you. If you don't, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, participate in an auxiliary ministry, you know, all of this pressure, But when you read the Bible, the thing that stands out to me, it doesn't say without love. It doesn't say without tithing. It doesn't say without kissing somebody's ring. It doesn't say um, Mm -hmm. without shouting and running all around the church. It doesn't say without being an armor bearer. It doesn't, all of these rules that we grow up with, it says without faith. It is, it is impossible right. to please God. Why do you think that is?
1: Because if you can do it, it doesn't take faith. Uh-uh. Faith actually engages a realm beyond ourselves to where our trust can only be found in God and God alone. And that's why a lot of situations um actually come as a test to prove your level of faith. I know Lord Jesus, have I walked through those and actually even came out of some too even recently with different areas of my life to where I actually had to be like, Lord, am I trying to make happen out of my own strength a spiritual outcome that can only be produced out of your strength? Wow. And so so faith is that ability, where it says, um, you know, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. F- and actually, my pastor said this, um, Pastor Chuck said this a couple weeks ago in a message, is faith doesn't create something that never was. Faith pulls from what's already done into the
0: Ooh, here Oh, I and love
1: now. that. Because the Bible's because the Bible says in Ephesians two, Ephesians 1, it says, we have, been, we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And so it's all past tense. It's already provided. When Jesus said it's finished, it's finished. And then in Ephesians 2, it then says in those heavenly places, we are also seated with Christ. And so um, Christ in the Bible actually doesn't mean I'm going to try to make this quick because uh, we both have to go, but but um, Christ, is not Jesus's last name. Christ is his Ooh, function.
0: Break that down. And it break actually that down.
1: means, it actually, Christ actually means the anointing, the supernatural enablement and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we are seated in heavenly places with the anointing. So what we have to do, and then it says we set our hearts and minds up on things above in heavenly places where Christ, the anointing, is. So what we have to do is in the midst of these situations is um, and why it takes faith is because faith gives us the ability to think on the level that we've not Wow.
0: Unbelievable.
1: So, so when you're in lack and when you're in stress and you're in worry in this, in the systems of this world, we have the ability because we're citizens and royalty of the kingdom of God, which kingdom, you know, we've said it a lot, but we haven't defined it. It means the king's dominion and the king's domain. So the king, Jesus, God has a domain from heaven that is being advanced and influenced in the earth. And so what we do is we, he loved us so much to adopt us into his royal family to where we're able to not just be citizens, but we rule and reign with him. So the fact that the son or the daughter of a king is in lack is a huge insult to the king. You will not go into any kingdom and find a prince or a princess in lack
0: or sickness.
1: <laughs> so that's or sickness, exactly. And that's why, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, you know, why do you worry about tomorrow? For tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, why should you worry about what you would, you know, your food or your drink or what to wear? But if you seek first the kingdom, of god and his righteousness then all of these things will be added so that's why faith is so crucial because of the fact that it allows us to tap into a realm into a system where it's already done it's already provided and we bring it from heaven into earth his kingdom comes will be done on earth as it is in heaven so,
0: amen. amen amen thank you so much porter well in closing i have i have a zinger. you're welcome thank Wait, you you can't go anywhere i have a zinger for you
1: uh-oh. Yeah, we okay. have
0: a a so now, Porter, we see all of this, and this is not the cast aspersion on anyone in ministry because that is not an easy job at all. It's not easy calling. It is not easy at all. But, you know, yes. do you have any Porter vices as a minister of the gospel? Anything that we need to know about? Anything going on with you? Just, you know, just we don't want to read any blogs, so... <laughs> <laughs> anything that you cannot live without as being a person in ministry?
1: Ooh, anything that I cannot live without. Um, first of all, I mean, not to sound super spiritual, but I cannot live without my law. Okay. The time the Lord. Um, so like, that's one of the things is like in ministry, you have, you have to make time, like I said, to worship and to hear from him. Um, but as far as like, um, different things i can um live without before i used to say this but i've actually gotten to the place to where i'm actually able to be more and more without phone got it so
0: god Um, your phone
1: but well i mean i can i can actually be without it for some periods of time because there's just a lot of noise and stuff but okay so like in the natural the fun stuff um so if anybody knows me you know i (laughs) love ketchup (laughs) that's what i was waiting <laughs> on and yeah so anyways actually it's funny my best friend's mom christmas a couple years ago she even made for me this thing that had a, a bottle of ketchup in a glass case and it says a case on emergency <laughs> brick glass yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> i haven't had okay. to use it yet and it's probably old in there by now but yeah so yeah that's, that's, that's 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 the one so,
0: so so everybody but. out there that's listening um
1: and God's working on me. Day, the whole there,
0: process, so. Some people eat fries uh, plain. Porter needs ketchup, and I mean, Porter needs ketchup on everything. Uh, maybe not everything, but um, we certainly well, have.
1: I was proud of myself though. I had an omelet this morning, and I did beat the omelet without See, ketchup. See, God is working; so, He is
0: moving miracles. You guys need to get in this good. podcast and get in the flow because this is a miracle moment. <laughs> Porter has had an omelet without ketchup, which is unheard of. You see, tap into the flow, tap into the flow. All right, Porter, thank you so much for lending your time, your experience, your expertise to beyond the easy, because church can be hard, but kingdom is easy. And I so appreciate you, and I wish you many blessings as you continue your journey with the Lord.
1: Thank you. For-